It's a new episode, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to be podcasting again after a little while, and uh, try not to melt in the summer heat. Yeah, no kidding, man. We're finally getting past all this rain, and you know when it's raining, you're complaining that the sun's not out. Then when the rain stops, you're like, I'm getting sunburned. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I definitely have to use plenty of sunscreen because I'm just really fair skinned and I just catch fire if I don't. So yeah, uh, we wanted to talk about found footage this episode, uh, found footage horror movies. And then it's an interesting topic, I think, because it has such a, uh, well, there's like, cause it's, it's, it's one of those things that people either love or they hate, you know, there is, doesn't seem to be like, it, it just seems like it, that's kind of the general consensus within the horror community uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm definitely there. I I hear it often talked about as a negative thing, and I wish it was more of a positive thing. But I think what people usually kind of go with is if it's found footage, that means it's cheaply done. Where found footage needs to be recognized as a style, and if it's done right, it's still it holds up the way that it should. And I think there are some movies out there that actually work better as a found footage film. So it's definitely something that is a subgenre, especially of the horror community, but I think that it gets a harder rap than it deserves. Yeah. And I think like, like you said, that when people hear found footage, there's certain things that come to mind. There's like the shaky cam or, uh, you know, like low budget, like you don't ever see anything. Um, and like for me, I actually like the aspect of not seeing things as much or just getting like a glimpse of something in the background. I think that's really cool uh, when they can do things like that. Um, it just kind of leads more to the imagination. And I think I would rather have it left to the imagination, like especially if there's like a lower budget than try to have somebody pull off some special effects that are kind of like bargain bin special effects, you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, we can, what we can create in our mind and our own imagination is a lot better than what, we, than what people can usually cr- can create practically. And you see that so often with, like, movie adaptations of novels. Like, when you read a novel or whatever, you have this mental picture in your mind of what things are going to look like. And when you see the movie, it doesn't quite look the same. And you're kind of disappointed sometimes. I, I know I am. Uh, so, anyway, so I think... Going back to found footage, I think that I think people get people don't like it because of the way it's filmed. It's kind of shaky. People get sick watching it. Maybe um, there, you know, there's not a, the dialogue. Maybe it's it's more natural. It's not as like scripted out, you know. So the dialogue may seem may not seem as smooth, but I think it's more 
it's more natural sounding, I guess. It would it's it's actually the conversation that you would hear, like if you're just having it uh, a conversation between friends. You know, it's not like something that a, a writer spent like a lot of time scripting out and so like that. Uh, well, but I'm yeah, sure dude, it's like when when you said that you know uh, when you're reading a book and then you're watching that movie adaptation of that book, they're trying to take you into that story. And I think that's why found footage works when it works because what I mean, how else can you feel right there than if you feel like you're the person holding the camera? Uh, when they make found footage films, they traditionally will use a character in the movie that you can kind of supplement yourself with, and that puts you on the spot. And I think that's why some of these movies really do work the way that they do because it gets to me and it makes me feel like I'm there. And then there's some of these situations that make me really uncomfortable, especially when it deals with stuff like claustrophobia. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the point of view is always from like one person the whole time, basically, or whoever's got the camera. So you don't see what other characters are doing, like behind the scenes, you know, like, like in a more cinematic movie or like a, traditional style movie you like the uh point of view may switch between characters so you may see what somebody's doing that other characters don't know about but with a with a found footage you're just seeing seeing everything from one person's point of view and i think that really helps to build the mystery and uh kind of some anxiety too like if there's like if people aren't sure what's going on it kind of builds that tension and i like that um, well, Andy, uh, we talked. You know, I said a minute ago that a lot of people look at it as like a cheaper way of doing things. Like it's found footage; it must be low budget, and that's because, like I said, you can pick up your phone and try to make a found footage movie, right? And I think that's where a lot of people who don't like found footage—that's what their opinion is. But when I look at found footage, I see it as more of it's a difficult type of way to make a film, and, and you wouldn't think that because we have so many found footage movies, but Dude, trying to make a found footage movie where not only you feel like you're there, but also you still have to have a cinematographer there. You still have to have somebody who is trying to catch the right angles and everything. And then you have to have a reason for the camera to be there. And so I actually I feel like. as Some people see like those movies are limited and that makes them bad. I think it makes it more challenging because of the limitations that they face. And if it's done right, it actually, like you said, it exceeds some of the Hollywood movies. Yeah, right. And, and going, you know, talking about the limitations of found footage, you know, like you said, you, you have to have a reason for them to keep filming it, like a realistic reason. And also a lot of times with found footage, you don't have a score. You don't have the music right. that helps to usually, usually in a traditional movie, the, the music helps to build the tension, helps to build the atmosphere, but you don't have that with found footage. So I think if you can create that in found footage, that is like a skill right there. That's a skill in and of, in and of itself that we do see with like movies like Blair Witch Project. And, you know, some of those we'll talk about. Um, so that so it's interesting. Like, I think it makes filmmakers get outside of the box and have to create new ways of doing things. Yeah, man. And it's so funny because when found footage established itself, it really held tight to seem it was only something that was like paranormal or you know what i mean out of this world and then now we're starting to get so many different types it's almost like what can we apply a found footage subgenre to another horror subgenre and that's the reason that i think we're not even doing a top five today is because when you think of found footage movies you think of probably the same few 
But then you sit there and you're like, hey, Andy, write as many found footage movies as you can. And you start doing your research and you realize that you've seen like 10, 15, 20 of these movies that you openly accept as found footage films and you forget that they're classified as such. And, you know, you name drop the Blair Witch Project because that's the one that really made it famous. That's where it showed the profit that it could be. And now, yeah, everybody's out there making found footage movies so much so that Hollywood is out there doing it. Like people forget, you know, Blair Witch Project was an independent horror film. Uh, it's what knocked Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the list of being the most successful. And that's what knocked Halloween out of the list. Like it's a domino effect, but it's so like when they made Blair Witch Project and we know this stuff because we interviewed the writers and directors of it, but when they filmed it and they were done, they took the equipment back to Circuit City and got the refund, man. So there's this huge, like horror is known as being this intensely marketable um genre you can make so much money of it which is why i wish they'd stop spending several millions of dollars like friday the 13th you know i don't want to get off too much track but you know we haven't had a, a friday the 13th movie in a very long time because they spent too much money on the remake when they could have just did it like the 80s we would have been fine but with so many of these found footage movies now dude i find myself coming across one and when i find out it's found footage i actually put it higher on my list of wanting to watch I, I I do enjoy found footage, like um, so. I yeah, it, I don't. It doesn't bother me like if I see a, a movie is found footage, um, as I think some of those are some of the scarier movie, scarier movies that I've seen recently. Um, so I was trying to think of like like my first exposure with found footage, and I think you're right. I think Blair Witch really popularized the that filmmaking style. Um, but I think that, like, when I, when I really think back to maybe something that has maybe that, found, that like, the found footage movies that we know today that maybe has its roots in, it's like those old uh, Faces of Death movies. Do you remember those? Did you ever see those? I didn't watch them because I thought they were real. Well, yeah, that, I mean, I thought they were. And I, don't, I, I don't really know what's real in those and what's not. I, I thought they were real, too. Um, but I'm. I'm assuming some of it was fake. I think what they released was that, uh, yes, it was fake. But back then, we didn't have the media exposure to you know <laughs> do all this and tell everybody it was fake. So a lot of people believed it. But there, some of it was real, but most of it was fake. Which, you know, I, I said this before, and, and somebody can roll their eyes or whatever. But, like, I love horror. I can watch any kind of horror movie. But I don't like that stuff in real life. Like I've never been a fan of that, and I'm kind of a sissy when it comes to that. It's funny. Like uh, if I get a boo boo and I got to peel a band aid off, I probably don't want to look. It's that bad. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I I, I don't like. Yeah, I, I definitely get queasy at the sight of blood, like especially if it's my own or something like that, or if like. Well, dude, look, I'm covered yeah. in tattoos, head to toe. Like I had needle dragging blood on me all day, but then when someone wants to draw blood for me, I'm like, I can't watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. But yeah, so like you know, we have the Faces of Death movies that I kind of, they're not, they're not like exactly found footage, but they're kind of like, I think what what draws me into found footage is it feels like a real thing happening. And I, maybe I think that's the relationship that I'm drawing between the two, between faces of death and like something like the blur witch. It's almost like a documentary style of thing. And, and even like the, the fake documentaries, the mockumentaries, that's kind of its own like little subgenre within found footage, which I love. But um, yeah. So, but yeah, going back to the blur, Witch, I think that is the first time 
because you know when the Blair Witch first came out, people thought that was real. They right. thought that those kids actually went missing in the woods, and this was the footage that was recovered that was found. And so it was really a kind of a novel thing to do, and it, and it made it scarier because of that realism, that that aspect of that in there. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I, I think that the Blur Witch was my first exposure in found footage, even though I know it's not technically the first found footage movie made. I think that goes to this. There's one called The Last Broadcast, and I think I remember I hear I hear Neil talking about it a lot when you guys he does are talking. Um, and I did watch it, I think, a couple years ago. And I, and to be honest, I wasn't a big fan of it. I think mainly because of how it ended. I was a little disappointed with the ending of that. But you got to give it credit because it was doing something different. It was doing something new. So I'll definitely well, get it credit. Yeah. I mean, you know it came before the last broadcast, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's when, true. But If we're going to be real, I, I think <laughs> found footage was 70s, man, with Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Not yeah, everybody's favorite movie, but you know they went through the same thing that Blair Witch did, where the director got looked at and they had to prove that this didn't really happen. So, <laughs> right. The only thing is, Blair Witch is like, I'm gonna run with that. <laughs> These people are missing. Yeah, you know, I still have not seen the can't seen Hannibal. Hannibal. I still have not seen Cannibal <laughs> Holocaust. Uh, and I think I think. The main thing for me is just because the animal killings on screen. I just really have no desire to see that. I think in one of the special editions that came out, I think there is like an edited version that edits all that stuff out, which I may try to find one day, but it's not really high on my list. But uh, have you seen you've seen Cannibal Holocaust, right? Oh, yeah, like five times. Okay, (laughs) not to say I'm crazy or weird. I I don't like animal abuse either, but um, I just kind of was like, well. That's the seventies. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Right. Like I said, when I watch it on screen, I, I pretty much just, even if it's, yes, they, they really harm that animal, which is terrible. Um, but when I watch it, I still chalk it up as a movie. So I'm able to kind of get through it. Uh, but if you don't like polarizing films, that might be one you stay away from because uh, any animal activists will tell you that's the worst, but there's more than that. But there's other things that happen in the movie that are equally terrible. So um, but, hey, say what you want. That was definitely one where it's like, here's the footage we recovered, and this is the terrible things that happens on that footage. So, Yeah. So, you know, like with, you know, like I said, with the Blair Witch Project, that kind of opened up the possibilities to, like, movie studios saying, hey, you know, we can, this is something we can make money off of. And, I, you know, obviously there was some found footage movies made like after like in the uh 2000s i'm trying to think of some like because we really don't like there's not a ton that come to mind until we get to paranormal activity and that was like that was what 2007 well that's when hollywood was just like how come no one's doing this because You know, when Scream came out, that was the hot thing. In the late 90s, early 2000s, it was teen slasher films. That's why there wasn't so many. But um, Ted Nikolai, I believe, had one that's called the St. Francisville Experiment, which was huge to me as a kid because I loved Blair Witch Project. And I totally – I knew what was fake, but I liked the intention of it seeming real You know, for the viewing. So I I saw this movie called St. Francisville Experiment. I bought it on VHS at Blockbuster. And I watched it, and it's cool, man. It's a movie that basically takes a, a historian, and you know, you everybody knows the story. You got a historian, you got a film 
critic, you got a crew member, you know, you got a, um, what do you call it? Somebody tells the future, I'm drawing a blank, but you got all these people and you put them in a haunted house together, what happens? And, you know, St. Francisville Experiment is basically uh, like a Louisiana plantation where some slaves had been murdered. And so they're trying to resurrect ghosts there. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It's not one we'll get dive into too much here, but, uh, you know, it's it was definitely made for uh, it went straight to VHS, right? It had no big release, but it's a very enjoyable movie if you like found footage. But yeah, man, it wasn't until like Paranormal Activity came out, which clearly is successful because I I heard we're getting another one at some point. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's already six of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm that a fan def- of all of them, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I I've seen up to part four, I think. Yeah. And I, but I do want to see. I think it was like the marked ones. Is that that's that's, part that's five, like yeah. part five? I do need to see that one. I love uh, that one. Yeah, because I think you suggested that one to me, but I haven't seen it yet. It gets a lot of hate, but for the right reasons, it's really good. And also with found footage, you mentioned a lot of people can't watch them because of shaky cam. Like Julie, she can't watch found footage movies. It, it really get, makes her like nauseated. So to me, it does its job. Right, like she's getting sick watching it because she feels like she's there. She's the one running. Um, but when you see the stuff in theater, dude, there's nothing like it. Like I've seen a handful of these found footage movies in theater, and even though there's people in the audience and it's dark, you're like, I'm in a room. You get sucked into that big screen, man, and it kind of it puts you on the uh, edge of your seat the entire time. Oh yeah, I, I was lucky enough to see Blair Witch on the big screen, like oh. back in back in 1999 when it came out. I mean, uh, me and my friends went and saw it because. Yeah, it's because it was like, like man, Blair Witch Project, and it just was like there's this whole mystery kind of around this film, and uh, you know I didn't watch any of the documentaries at the time, like the so I think like Sci-Fi Channel had some like, uh, like kind of like a almost like a mockumentary, kind of like a fake documentary type thing that came out. Yeah, they had um, Curse of the Blair Witch and then Sticks and Stones were the two. Okay. Yeah, so I, I missed out on those, but I did go to the theater and see. Blair Witch on the big screen, which, um, you know, I I liked it, but I think I think I was a little put off by the end just because it didn't kind of wrap things up into like a nice package. Um, but I think I've come to appreciate it more, especially after we talked to Daniel Daniel Myrick, you know, the one of the directors, just kind of learning the process of how they made that movie. It was really interesting. Oh yeah, and whenever he talked about. What do you say? They had like over four hours of like footage or something, like several hours, and they had to chalk it all down to you know an hour twenty, just editing that kind of stuff together. But I know it may sound like a broken record sometimes, but I just I get some people may not have that ability or desire to put themselves in the movie. But dude, like when I can do that, when I can isolate everything around me and really just jump into that TV screen. Um, and I think that's a big part of it, Andy. As I'm, th- I'm talking, you know, and I'm thinking while I'm talking, it's like you can't watch a found footage movie on your phone or a tablet. Like you have to put yourself in that position to be part of the movie experience. And yeah, man, shaky cameras and all that stuff—it's all part of the fun for me. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's maybe people who are desired filmmakers, right, or who really love these movies. I don't know. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, maybe you want to make a found footage movie? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, we actually know somebody that did that, you know. <laughs> yes, we do. Should we stumble into that first? All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have a we have a friend online here, uh, Jed Bryan, and he made his 
own found footage movie called Unlisted Owner. And uh, yeah, we're both big fans of it. It's I think he did a, a really good job, like with, you know, with the acting and with the camera work. And, you know, it, it, he he walk, you know, you have to walk, walk that fine line of not showing too much. And and I think he does a good job of that. Oh, yeah, man. Back in the day, like I'm one of the oldest supporters of Unlisted Owner. It's still one of my favorite horror films. Um, it helps knowing Jed and, and he and I have a lot of common interests and everything, but I seen the movie before I knew him. So I was already a fan of the movie, but then getting to know him makes me appreciate everything like his talents much more with the film. Also, your vocabulary with the F word will go up, uh, after you watch Unlisted Owner, <laughs> you know, much like Blair Witch, <laughs> but, uh, and, and shots on the hood all day of monster, but no, man. The thing that Jed did that I think stood out to me was kind of like I was saying earlier, when this found footage thing takes off, it was a lot of like hauntings and supernatural stuff. I couldn't recall uh, many, if any, found footage movies with a serial killer, a slasher type deal. And when he did that, I was like, man, this is really a unique idea that I think now has definitely been picked up on by other people. And we're starting to get more of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're seeing a more seeing more of a variety because, like, like you said, after Paranormal Activity, there was what Paranormal Entity, Paranormal Encounter, <laughs> all these like version. yeah, yeah, all these paranormal type shows or shows um, films being made, uh, and it was all about like being in a haunted house or whatever, and all these weird things happening. But yeah, like. Now we're getting more of a variety. Now we have like aliens, we have Bigfoot, we have like serial killer, slasher, found footage. We have like all these really cool ideas. And, I, and I'm really glad that people are kind of stepping up and making these movies like like Jed has because it's definitely one that stands out. It's one that's original. Um, well, you know what so. really makes Jed's movie work is he had a group of friends that do a really good job in this movie. Like none of them are professional actors, but because they were actual friends in real life, like they sold it to me when I was watching that movie for the first time. That's one of the big thing, you know, uh, the story and then character development is a big thing for me and the interaction of characters that needs to feel authentic. You know what I mean? And that's what I really loved about his film was the fact that all these people, you could tell they've known each other for a really long time. And so not only are you watching this movie, but you feel like you're part of that group. Like you hear comments being made that you, everybody has that friend who plays that part. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, when Jed, you know, he brought up this movie and he filmed it in his hometown over in Illinois, uh, Lawford County. I remember when I first watched it, I was just kind of like, I don't know what, I don't know if I had an expectation. You know what I mean? You, you, you're watching a movie for an interview but then you actually really love the movie. And that shows on the interview I did. I remember I was really psyched and really hyped up. And the only reason you didn't do the interview with him is because we shared a podcast. So it's like, we're not going to do the two on one, but now we can talk about the movie. And dude, I got this thing on Blu-ray. I got this thing on DVD. I still need my VHS copy Jed. We need to make that happen. But uh, yeah, having your friends take turns with the camera, you know what I mean? And then watch them get picked off one by one. What's cooler than that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Making a movie with your friends has got to be a one, you know, one of the greatest experiences I think. And uh, yeah, and I think I think you can see that with a lot of these movies that we're talking about, they were just like friends, the people that knew each other in real life. That just hey, let's make a movie. Um, and it's people that have like that that uh, that natural uh, rap, like uh, back and forth. I don't know what you call it, but you know, just have yeah. they 
they're able to carry on a natural conversation because they are already friends. They already know each other. They kind of can play off each other naturally. And I, and I think that works. And I think, you know, that that helps. You don't actually have to write a script. You know, a lot of the dialogue is ad-libbed, um, which I think can be can make for some really interesting moments, like funny moments add some comedy or just add some like moments of tension or whatever, you know, so like that. Um, so, you know, kind of going down the timeline, you know, cause we have paranormal activity and all of its sequels. Um, we had, we had one called the last exorcism that I thought was really interesting. Um, and that one, you know, it, it takes on the topic of exorcisms, but from kind of a different angle because it's a guy that's, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's it's like a crew following around a uh, like a an evangelist kind of guy that does exorcisms, right. and they're they're trying to prove that he's a fake. Is that is that? Well, in it's a sham. Like he's saying it is. You know what I mean? Okay. And he's doing his last go around, and they're documenting it. Almost, it almost feels like it's his confession. It's his last time he's gonna do it. But then, of course, the last time he's doing it, he runs into some real crap. And that what happens when you've been faking it and now it's the real deal. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, especially the ending when you find out what's going on, that was really effective. Um, and I think the acting was really well with that. Just kind of the, some, the people that they run across, you know, like the townspeople and stuff like they you really uh, felt like they did not want them to be there. And um <laughs> You can tell right away in that one, can't you? When he's like, can I get some directions? And the dude's like, oh, yeah, you just go down here and you turn the fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> I love yep. that country boy. If I'm not mistaken, that dude, that small bit character, the brother of hers or whatever, I think he ended up playing the brother in Get Out. That's him, yeah. That's yeah, him. no, it, that's cool, man. I love the horror community so much. But yeah, Let's, Last Exorcism was a movie that definitely got my attention because it was a found footage one. And I was like, oh, like found footage exorcism type movie? I'm totally need to check this out. Yeah, and then, you know, as as we go along, you know, with different movies, though, kind of, you, you start to see some hybrids happening. You, you start to see some maybe more traditional movies that incorporate footage like from surveillance cameras or from home videos mixed in with the movie and uh we got an example of that with the vatican tapes and that's yeah. and that's a movie that you love right and and yeah, you encouraged yeah you encouraged me to watch it and i just watched it this week and yeah it was it was good it was a good movie i enjoyed it um it's entertaining and i think it has a, you know definitely a different take on the exorcism kind of trope that we've seen in a lot of movies um uh, it was interesting like the way said, it's kind of a violent movie Exactly. Yeah, and it had a high body count for like an exorcism type movie because normally, with an exorcism movie, it a lot of it consists of the family dealing with a person that's possessed, and then they bring in the the church to try to stop it. And that's basically it. But in this one, you have the person that's possessed, or what we think is a possessed person, and they they put them into like a mental institute, and then they start just wreaking havoc. And yeah, we definitely see like a higher body count with this movie, which is interesting, like because you normally don't see that. So I, I like that aspect of it. it. It made it more entertaining. It it, it kept a good pace going. Um, and like I said, it's kind of a hybrid because you get the conventional camera work and stuff like that, but it incorporates the surveillance camera footage and some like home video footage, too. So I I think that adds an interesting uh, angle to the movie. You want to know what's unique, man? Think about this. Uh, something that's not a found footage movie, but remember Signs 
that Mel Gibson movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So remember back in the, it was early two thousands when that thing came out. You know, you never see the aliens for the longest part, and they cut away to like a news broadcast where it shows a family having like a birthday party or something inside, and then they show the alien in the uh, cornfield walk across, and it's like the scariest looking thing. That was technically a found footage moment. Exactly. Yeah. And so I love and and see what that is is that shows not only like it makes you feel like yes it's real but I think that gives us another way to use those really cool camera angles like you said like with security footage okay when you're traditionally filming a movie you're going to kind of be right on the actor you're trying to engulf uh, some evenness of left and right trying to get the atmosphere in there or whatever uh, but when you have these other ones it's like hey let's film from the ground let's film from up in the corner you know what I mean that's what I really loved about uh, Last Exorcism and some of these other movies is uh, you're getting camera angles that normally you wouldn't get, but it's trying to capture other things that you normally wouldn't see. Yeah, definitely. Like we said, you know, yeah, it makes people, it makes filmmakers work out of the box. And I, I definitely appreciate that. It's a challenge. And, and a lot of times I think when there's a challenge we, that we've seen with some of our classic horror movies, when they, they face challenges, they had to improvise. And that created some really special moments that we see on film that it's kind of like lightning in a bottle. You're never going to be able to recreate that, you know? Right. Dude, even the Amityville Horror franchise did a a, pair, a, a found footage type movie. Granted, it was oh. definitely one of their weakest link ones, but even they went down that road. Yeah, I, I remember uh, you know, talking about serial killers and found footage. There was one called uh, 8213 Gacy oh, House Gacy or something House. like that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I talked about that one back on Black Cat Shadow and... Uh, it was okay. It was entertaining. <laughs> it's just, I think that was definitely one of those asylum type. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, one one that kind of took a different approach to found footage was found photographs. And there's this movie called Savage Land. And what the, they it was kind of like a, it's kind of like a the format of a fake documentary. They have interviews with people on screen, but the uh, but they kind of so this event happened like. Basically, this town, everybody in this town was murdered or killed. It, it appears to that, it, you know, that's what it appears to be. But there's one guy that was left alive. And so the authorities, the law enforcement is trying to figure out what happened in this town. And the story kind of gets retold through these photographs that this lone survivor took. And so it's not found footage in the traditional sense where you're seeing like a video of what happened, but you're seeing it in photographs. And it's really interesting because. Uh, you, you know, it's just like a shot in time. So even though you're not seeing the motion, you're just seeing like a moment captured in time. And it's, it's interesting. Like, I think, you know, on paper, it doesn't sound particularly interesting or exciting. But when you watch the movie, like the moments that it captures kind of like you like a picture can evoke a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, it can when, you know, depending on what's captured on in the in the picture. Oh, man. Um a different movie. This is so when we talked about doing this, we were originally, you know, we we're like, okay, you pick some movies, I pick some movies, we'll talk about them. But we wanted to make sure we had some in common. And I remember after we agreed on maybe going over a certain few, I started to discover like all these other movies that we didn't even talk about going over. And I, I didn't spend too much time rewatching them because I was like, I don't know if Andy has seen all these. But did you by chance ever watch Lake Mungo? Yeah, I did. I watched that one. I forgot about that one. That was done really well as well. And that was a creepy movie. Yeah, it was. It, it was creepy. There's especially one scene that just gave me the chills. Um, <laughs> He's like, I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah, uh, but no, that, that was a good one. I really like uh, 
so of course, you know, you had the houses of October built because I love anything oh, yeah. set, anything set like haunted houses, amusement parks. I'm all about. So, you know, so we have a couple. We have the houses of October built, which the first one was really good. The sequel was eh. With the way, did you ever see the sequel? I didn't watch the sequel. No one told me to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it's, it wasn't bad up until the very end. It's just the way it ends. It's like, okay, I didn't really care for it. You know, opposite um, of that, I mm-hmm. feel uh, the uh, take that and flip it on its head. And that's how I felt about the first one. I really enjoyed the first one, but the end made it great for me. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. loved how that first one ended. I was just like, that is the most terrifying thing in the world. And that's why I didn't like the sequel because at the end of the sequel, it does something that ruins everything before that. So I won't go into it anymore. So you're saying I have to watch it? I don't know. It's almost <laughs> if like it's free, watch it. <laughs> it's almost like maybe it's better for you to keep what you have. I don't want to ruin. Okay. I don't want to ruin what you have. Like because yes, the first one is great. The ending is really freaky, really disturbing. So just hold on to that, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But. uh but another one that did that I really love is Hell House LLC. You, you've watched that one, right? I have not watched it, okay. but I have listened to podcast cover it, so you're not spoiling it. Okay, yeah. So that one is another one. It's set in a that one is actually set in just one haunted house, and they're trying to get it set up. Uh, and it kind of leads up to like the opening night. There's like you know crazy stuff happens on opening night, but that's another one that's really effective because it doesn't. It doesn't go super far with the special effects, but it does a lot with just kind of like a mannequin, you know, like a a mannequin dressed like a clown. It does a lot with just that premise. And uh, just the building itself is kind of is really creepy. Uh, They do have some kind of digital effects that they added in, which are probably not the strongest point, but they didn't do it a lot. So I don't think it really takes away, but I've I think that's why people had problem with the um, sixth installment of paranormal activity is for the longest time, people complained you never saw anything. So the sixth um, air quote final movie that they made, they decided to go ahead and show you what you've been wanting to see the whole time. And for me, I kind of knew that was going to happen and I was cool with it. But from what I heard from a lot of people, dude, they were so taken out of the movie by that. Therefore, justifying why found footage works. So we have some good examples examples of what we think are good found footage movies. Um, I was trying to think of some that I didn't like. Yeah, you know, it's hard. I, I've seen. I've watched a bunch. I feel like. See, I uh, love what you just said right there because I think there's less found footage movies I like than there is more that I do like. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it was like, hey, Dave, make a top five favorite found footage that would be so hard to do you know what i mean because there's so many good ones but then if you said dave make the five worst found footage movies that's also really hard to do because i love most of them i just came to me what about the vhs movies those are like found footage those 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 are those are really good yeah Yeah. and those are kind of like an anthology type movie too. i actually I, i can think of one found footage movie that i didn't hate it but i know i wanted it to be better did you ever see The Gallows? No, it's, I have not seen that one yet. So that was one that maybe I had high hopes for and I should have went in more open-minded. I've only watched it one time, and I know there's a sequel and I haven't seen the sequel, but when I watched it the first time, it just left me with a meh kind of feeling, but that's the only one that comes to mind. I kind of had that impression that it was going to be kind of a 
not not a great movie just because it was like uh i don't know why i think because it was like a big studio movie that they put out and it seemed like it was geared towards like it seemed like it was geared towards like high school kids or something yeah it definitely reeked of a pg-13 factor that's for sure which you know there there are some effective pg-13 horror movies i I don't want to downplay that you know the rating of a movie but uh but yeah it's a big studio (laughs) you know what's going on yeah, so there's another one that I always try. Whenever we're talking about found footage, I always try to uh, bring to people's attention. Um, after listening to Brian's latest episode, um, or by the time this comes out, he's probably gonna have another one come out. But when he did the Devil's Doorway, yeah. that was one of the movies that he's recently talked about, and I, I did enjoy that movie. That was really cool. Um, but another one that I think has a very similar storyline, but I love the ending a lot more is it's called Final Prayer. It's also known. Uh, in the UK as the borderlands and basically what it, the premise is, it's about these, uh, it's a similar premise to devil's doorway. There's a supposedly like these miraculous things happening or weird things happening that the Vatican sends a crew to go investigate, um, to see if they're actually miracles or if it's just like a hoax to see if the, if the local church is putting on a hoax or whatever. So, like I said, similar storylines between the two, Devil's Doorway and Final Prayer. But where Final Prayer kind of veers off is you start leaning more into like more of like a Lovecraftian direction, like a Lovecraft direction. And it, like talking about pagan gods, old gods. And I love that. So um, so I really loved how it ends. I totally watched it. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. I, I did. Sure. Yeah, I was going to wait. And so, yeah, it, this is one where. Andy kept pushing at me, and I was like, "Dude, we gotta like record in three days. I don't have time." And then as soon as we got done talking, I watched it right then and there. He, you know, he's like, "It's on Tubi," and I'm like, "Uh, it's hard to argue Tubi." And so, um, but I'll tell you something. I'm so glad that I went in open minded, and when it got to that amazing ending, that climax that you were telling me about, that you, you know, you were like, the, "The end makes it for me. It's so cool, bro." When it happened, I was like, oh, and it registered. <laughs> I've already heard you talk about it. Okay. And I, But I'm so glad I didn't remember it up until then because I was able to go in blind. And I don't want to spoil that. Um, I know we, we spoil movies uh, a little bit here and there. But uh, whenever I was watching that movie, you know, I was very 50-50 on it. I was like, well, you know, Andy really likes it. But it, it progressively got better the more that things kind of started happening and everything. And I love anything that's, you know, a uh, supernatural Vatican church, you know, you get the whole country universe. I love all that stuff. It's just very interesting to me. And when it started to get to the point where like really, really crazy things were happening. And then it did that little thing. And I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, oh. This is that twist ending he was telling me about. And it was so cool that I was able to get that effect for it. So, yeah, for anybody that wants to see a really good combination of found footage and a super surprise ending, that one is the one, man. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of like my, uh, I don't know, like I feel like every movie I watch now, I'm I'm waiting for like an ending like that. You know, like I, I you know, they, you know, like how like, uh, drug users they call like chasing the dragon or whatever like they tried where <laughs> <laughs> they you know where they get high for the first time and it's like the best feeling ever and they try like so like they try to chase that high you know that that right. that same so i i kind of feel like that that movie is kind of like 
I'm looking for that. I, I keep I keep looking for that same kind of ending, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was shocked how close it really was to the Devil's Doorway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's and and I and I I I thought I was like, man, is this going to be the same movie? Because when because I watched so I watched Final Pair first, and then I watched Devil's Doorway. As I didn't really know how Devil's Doorway was going to end, but it's like leading up at at the end. I was like, man, this is like looking like the same movie. You know, with with where they're going with it and stuff, and they but, easily have eight years or so in between them. Yeah, but uh, I think you know to you know sum it up, I guess is you know it's, we you know we we love found footage and like I think that it is a I don't want to say it's a valid style of filmmaking. I mean, any any style of filmmaking is valid, but it it is worthwhile. Like I feel like found footage has something to offer to people. You know, when they watch it. Um, but all, at the same time, I think it is subject to taste, like what your taste is in, in movies. Like for me, I appreciate things being left to the imagination, whereas other people may want to see the monster, the ghost, whatever it is. They may want to see like the kills happen on screen. Yeah. So I, I think it's to each, each their own. Yeah. I think that, like you said, it's uh it's definitely taste, you know, not everybody drinks beer, right? There's that kind of thing. Right. But, um, with a found footage movie, I think people just have to buy into it. You have to have good acting. You have to have the chemistry on set. Story's got to work. Camera's got to make sense. You know, if people can believe what you're doing, you can get away with a found footage film and gain an audience and make a profit on it. But I'm always going to give it a shot. If I hear it's found footage, I'm like, well, you know, I'll try it out. Uh, apparently, if it's um, Houses October Built number two, not. Um, and if the filmmaker of that movie happens to be listening to this episode, Andy said it, not me. But uh, <laughs> but no man, I'm with you, man. Um, I want to I want to see more found footage, and I wanted to invade every genre. Yeah, Dave. So uh, if people want to keep up with what you're doing, uh, let people know where, how they can do that. Oh yeah, man. Uh, always on Twitter at Dave underscore Phantom. You know, I podcast with you monthly. I also do uh, the podcast from another world, where uh, I like to cover sci-fi and horror. Uh, with my beautiful lady Julie, we we like to invite guests on. We like to just kind of talk about old movies that maybe people forgot about or people get nostalgic about. So if anybody ever wants to tune in to any of that stuff, just find me on Twitter. You'll see links and everything. It's found on the Terrible Terror Podcast Network. It's the only way to get it. But uh, man, I just wanted to say, like, I love podcasting, man. I love watching horror movies. I love doing this show with you because uh, it's such a sidestep from everything else I always do. So I'm glad we're doing this again. You know, it's been, it's been a long time since we started doing the podcast thing again, and I look forward to many months to come. Uh, the one thing I can say about this episode was that we could probably have volume two or volume three or volume four of found footage there. But uh, with as many found footage movies as are out there, people want to throw some at us that maybe, hey, you guys forgot about or didn't say this, just hit us up. But uh, yeah, always doing this thing. Yeah, I'd always be. I w- I'm always interested in finding new found footage movies. So yeah, definitely like, you know, people can respond to the post I make on social media, like on Twitter or, or Instagram, and just let me know some found footage movies that you think that we should watch or that we should have talked about. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Black Cat Podcast. That's where I'll do all the updates for the show, uh, the new episodes, things like that, and also on Instagram at Andy Ustry. It's at A-N-D-Y-U-S-S-E-R-Y. And that's where I'll post uh, updates to the show as well and uh, new episodes. And uh, you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere. Uh, So you've been listening to The World of Horror.